Is this Gektal? I love that song, where they sing over the wails of the dishonored. Earthcore Paradise, yeah! I saw them perform that live on Aston. They had an actual chorus of disgraced Klingons lamenting on stage. Oh my gosh, that sounds awesome! It was! I'll go poke around back there and see what I can find. Shouldn't be long. Whoa, what? Stop. You're into Klingon acid punk? Are you kidding? Why even listen to Klingon if it isn't punky or acidic? No way. I've never heard you say anything about that. Well, that's weird because I talk to Rutherford about it constantly. It's neat that after spending all this time together, you can still learn something about a friend. Yeah, I, I guess we just... All right. Here you go. Hello and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Karnick, and with me, scratching Arcation libido posts are Bill Woywad, Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marler, and Rudy Giggles Gusbaker. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Strange New Takes, and welcome to this strange new world of new Star Trek. Today, we're covering the third episode of season two of Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. Follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And hey, you know, tell your friends all about us. Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And then Notch will read your rating out on the pod. And it'll be so much fun. And just as usual, we need to give you a spoiler warning at the beginning of this. Uh, you should hopefully have seen this episode Uh and even watching this episode will spoil like eight or nine other episodes of Star Trek. Uh, so it's it's good that you have traced that whole path of Star Trek before you get here so that we can talk about it all. Uh, join us. If you are at the end of Caretaker hoping that Don Barris died in the Delta Quadrant with his creepiness, he did not. He actually survived. So. But see, this is a story of how you can progress beyond your creepiness, Tom Paris. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Also, by the way, I am absolutely filling this entire episode with Casablanca references, okay? <laughs> I like, that's just going to happen. That's what happens when you name your episode as a reference to Casablanca. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get there. But um, this is, as Bill was saying before, we're going to talk about the third episode of season two of Lower Decks. We'll always have Tom Paris. It first aired on 26th August 2021. Hey, that's uh, that's just two days ago. And it had a director whose name we don't know. It had a story whose name we also don't... Uh, story written by somebody whose name was also not noted in Memory Alpha. So obviously those people don't exist. Now stick with me for just one second while I keep talking, while I'm Googling this thing. Uh, you know, because I don't stick my neck out for nobody. Um, all gin joints and all the world. Why'd well, I have to walk into mine? Uh, what else? What else? Um, also an unknown in-universe date, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unknown, yeah. Any, everything. Apparently, uh, you know, uh, Memory Alpha really, really letting me down here. 
let's see. Cruel work harder, memory cruel. alpha. Right. Well, work harder us when we were writing the notes. I obviously didn't <laughs> notice this. There were two directors, looks like. That's the problem. You know, that there, there's your problem right there. Barry J. Kelly was a supervising director, and Bob Suarez was the, maybe the actual director? Something like that? I don't know. Okay, so the I writing... need to find the edit button so I can actually put this Haunting Memory Alpha. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So an M. Willis. I don't know what the M stands for. We'll just have to assume it stands for Marigold. Marigold Willis wrote the story. So, all right. We always start with our strange new takes. Crew, who's got a strange new take for me? I can get started off. Um, interesting fact, I um, have a cousin-in-law who uh, is going to undergrad and he wanted to start off Star Trek and didn't know where to start him off. So um, gave him the 2009 movie, um, production value and everything, and he's actually watching it somewhere in the house right now. So if you get a nice little background, uh, a lot of shooting and loud audio uh it's uh, star trek 2009 <laughs> <laughs> and uh i was so happy to just see the tom paris plate come up in lds <laughs> i had referred it to in one of my strange new takes many episodes ago but i could not believe uh my luck when it when the whole episode revolved around it and just <laughs> <laughs> went through and then I realized there's more plates potentially, and I had I had speculated in my previous strange new take um, on the plate that if I should go ahead and buy it, but uh, guess what? I'll probably buy it, and I'm gonna be on the lookout for the. Uh, he has he has all he said. Bono said he has all the way up from um, Tom Paris. Did he say Janeway and Ensign Kim? But uh, I can't wait to see those cartoon mm-hmm. characters. <laughs> okay. Um, my, my strange new take is why doesn't Picard say Lieutenant? Well, because he's French. (laughs) Well, well, how about Malcolm from Enterprise? (laughs) Who is a Lieutenant, right? (laughs) I think he does say Lieutenant sometimes. Sometimes. Picard does or Malcolm does? Malcolm Reed. I'm pretty sure he says that sometimes. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I he says it in some other show he's in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Fascinating. Um, so with regards to this episode, I guess I'll just say that, like, you know, preparing for the pod, I take notes and, like, half of my notes end in LOL. <clears throat> <laughs> it's literally, they're literally just quotes Things that were said during the show, and then I write LOL. (laughs) That sounds about right. (laughs) So my strange new take for the real world is that it's a rough week when your kid starts preschool. This is what I've learned, especially when your kid's first day at preschool pretty much was a crash and burn, so that was a little heartbreaking. (laughs) But fortunately... The second day was a better. So <laughs> you, when you go pick up your kid after the first day and she says, I need to talk to you. Or the, the teacher says, I need to talk to you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, major meltdown, inconsolable, turned into him falling asleep on the beanbag chair for the rest of preschool. <laughs> 
So, but the second day he was able to tell us the things he did. I think there were only a few tears. So he's, he's getting better. He's getting better. Um, but it was really nice to end the school week because he only has school. He has, well, it will be Mondays through Thursdays. This week it was just Wednesday and Thursday because it was the first week. It was nice to end the school week with a truly enjoyable episode of Lower Decks after two not so enjoyable episodes of Lower Decks. So my strange <laughs> new take is third time's a charm. <laughs> there we go. Uh, and I'm sure he... It's good that he he's getting it out now because uh, any middle school teacher will tell you you're you can't uh, have throw a tantrum and then fall asleep uh, for half of class. Uh, oh, oh there, he didn't so, throw yeah. a tantrum. My kid doesn't oh. throw tantrums. <laughs> no, no, he was just devastated that his oh, his no. mommy and daddy were not there. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. He's a he's a pandemic kid, you know. He yeah. just hasn't had lots of opportunities to be away from his parents or his grandparents. So. Oh. Well, so for my for my real world take, uh, I'm only a few chapters in, but I started reading Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky, and it's fabulous by or as so far, like the the world building is awesome, and I really can't wait to read more. Uh, this is just like a random recommendation I saw on Reddit, so everyone go read that book. It's super super good. Uh, oh, and then I forgot I have to say something about the episode. Uh, I, this, you this one was, have to. Yeah, you but I, I, I might as well. Uh, I, I have to have a strange <laughs> new take, I feel. Uh, for this one, I'm. Uh, this is a great episode, but I'm sad because pretty sure uh, Kayshawn is therefore not going to be a series regular anymore. Uh, I'm glad that we're getting some good jokes out of why that's the case, but uh, a little bit sad about that. You know, I saw. I thought that after the first time I watched it, the second time I watched it, he's on the bridge to greet Dom Paris. Shaxis isn't. So, wonder if there's some, mm. uh, some, some. I wonder if an episode will deal with that in the future. But anyway, I had like a full strange new take, like cool, everything great. And then Bill triggered me. He says he wrote <laughs> down LOL, and I don't write down any text acronyms anymore because. Like, probably in the third or fourth week of college, I can't remember hanging out with all my new American friends. And I said BRB out loud. And then they all made fun of me for a little while. And I was like, no, no, I did. I just kidding, guys. I was making a, a <laughs> reference to how silly that was to say it out loud. <laughs> you know me, sarcastic all the time. Hilarious. And so since then, I have never used text speak, as it used to be called 20 years ago, out loud or written it down ever. Uh, just, you know haunted by those college memories <laughs> with this episode i think just once i want mariner to join like her friends for some sort of like mission or something and not ruin it like Seriously. that would be just great if, everything, if she just like oh. stuck to the mission and things went to plan or like yeah anyway i'll just leave it at that for now but uh Anyway, uh, moving along, let's talk about this episode in depth. Here's a summary from Memory Alpha. At least they gave us that, uh, even if they didn't give the director and uh, story writer people. Mariner and Tendi team up for a mission to retrieve an heirloom for Dr. Tiana. Meanwhile, Cerritos is visited by Lieutenant Tom Paris, much to the excitement of Boimler, who's hoping to meet him. While all this happens, Rutherford is haunted by the mystery surrounding the reappearance of a familiar presence in the Cerritos. So as the summary lays out, we had we had three plots, 
and we can talk about them each uh, sequentially. Uh, I call Boimler and Tom Paris the A plot because it's in the like title of this episode. We'll always have Tom Paris. Uh, reference, of course, to We'll Always Have Paris, beautiful line from Casablanca that always makes me cry. Uh, just because, you know, when you watch that movie completely and you know that they won't always have Paris, and then he says it later. Anyway, I cry, y'all. I cry for Rick, okay? It's you just spoiled that movie for me. You haven't watched <laughs> Casablanca? Neither, same. <laughs> Neither have I. I mean, what? When, I, when I know about movies from, know, from 70, 80 general. years ago or whatever, it, they're all bad. So uh, Okay, I have never genuinely been closer to kicking you all off the podcast in this moment. <laughs> we'll always have this episode. I guess so. Wow. Okay, all right. Well, I... Hmm. I don't know where to go from there. Uh, guess back back to this before I like go off on a rant about why you should all watch Casablanca, which you should. It's great. It's so short. It's like an old timey short movie. It's like one of the most quotable so only, films only in only history. Only two hours and forty five minutes, if I remember from how they made movie back, movies back then. Like no, Dawn no, it's like it's very quick. <laughs> it's wonderful. Oh my god, Ingrid Bergman. up now. In in like her her greatest role of all time, probably. You know, I. I I don't know. Jeez, that's just a showstopper, y'all. I don't know where, like, man. Should, should we just, uh, like, watch it real quick on the podcast? And yeah. Live commentary? Hot mic, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Humphrey Bogart in probably his most memorable. I mean, Humphrey Bogart has made so much stuff. This is the role. Rick Blaine? Come on, y'all. Oh, my it's God. It's an hour and 42 minutes. It really is. Yeah. Oh, there we okay. go. How does it compare, Notch, to the TNG will always have Paris episode with the uh, I don't oh. remember that episode. That's how it compares, okay? <laughs> okay, well, uh, maybe we need to cancel the rest of our plans for next week. We'll watch uh, Casablanca and the TNG episode after we've seen this one so we can I compare mean, them all. I just I think... assumed they were referencing the Star Trek episode will yeah. always have Paris and not Casablanca. I mean, I mean, I mean it, it, so... I, I just want to start calling the film to you how beautiful dialogue is. It is... Oh my God! All right, let's let's get back to this stuff. I could go on like I mean I I maybe I should make a thirst like extra episode just about Casablanca now. Uh, we can do an after. We should do a spinoff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Just Notch gets offended at things other people haven't like experienced. Okay. All right. Well, we've all experienced Voyager. We all know Tom Paris, and uh, they bring him onto onto the Cerritos. I love it. I am so glad that the LDS has um, uh, dialed down the TNG uh, uh, fascination a little bit. And I also feel amongst us, I'm, I'm losing uh, Voyager fans and supporters here, people leaning more and more to other, other series. So I was really happy to, to see Boimler of all people. Um, get that fascination. It's interesting. It's like, so his idols are Riker, Tom Paris, um, different people, right? Uh, very different people. So that's, uh, that, that's something that's interesting. And yeah, like, uh, it was good, to, good to hear, um, uh, Mr. McNeil again. Right. He also collects uh, plates. Oh yeah, that too. And yeah, it was, it was, um, I'm, like I said, I'm gonna go uh, maybe buy that plate now. It's uh, it, it looks like it's durable. Like it 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 survived a, a nacelle. Um, <laughs> it held it better than than Boimler did. 
Yeah. What do y'all think about Boimler humming the the Voyager theme? I mean, he hummed the TNG theme last year. So him humming the Voyager theme. Just before the door caught him in the face. Yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> I just feel that they should do more Voyager in LDS. And I hope this is a beautiful start and it doesn't go the, the Keyshawn well, way. But uh, they need to have all the other plates make an appearance. So, you yes. know. <laughs> So, so the thing that I reflect on with this plot is that it's it's kind of weird that this this idea of the meta our, our favorite characters have watched our favorite Star Trek is kind of strange to me. I don't I still it just kind of is like it's kind of a discordant note at least for me in my head that like it's not it's not weird that they would like know the Voyager crew, but him humming the Voyager theme, <laughs> it becomes a little meta for me. Like if he if he if if we hadn't been talking about Voyager, because when he was humming the TNG theme, there were no references to TNG back then. This was a little like strange. But you know who must have composed that theme, right? Must have been the doctor after he came back and and, and he wrote his his book and and. Uh, right, intriguing. Because I, I, I was thinking sure. like another another possibility is like kind of like we have mission patches for uh for like NASA missions now. Yeah. Maybe every uh ship gets its own theme uh before they set on on their mission, and that's how we get it. Yeah. There you go. I like that retcon. I like that very much. Uh, also, we f- we find out that the ship is rejecting Boimler. Basically, it's like decided that he's a parasite that doesn't that should be shut out of the ship, and he <laughs> thinks he knows every like Jeffrey's tube and corridor on the on on the vessel. Yeah, or Boimler. He's kind of awkward about it as well. Like he doesn't want to take help. I don't know. It's it's weird with that with that whole bonsai situation he's getting pressured in queue for the replicator and um i i guess he's 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 un he he doesn't want to take jet's help because jet is in security and he feels that there's like a there's a conflict there within that inner group maybe i don't know or who wouldn't want to be carried over the threshold like a bride okay like come on <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah yeah uh... Yeah, it's um, it is kind of a, a little bit of like a you know, made up tension source of tension. But I I, I freaking loved it. Every time Boimler showed up on the screen, I thought I, I had a great time with this. Especially when he drops onto the bridge and Tom Paris shouts case Oh my god, that is that is probably yeah, that's probably one of my best sequences in Star Trek. I'm gonna go ahead and say <laughs> it's like he's pointing he's like Tom Paris and I got like Kazon he's like ah. um, because... I have to say I was confused by the coloration though in that scene like with how they had Boimler I don't know there was something really weird about how Boimler they made looked him reddish I... right like yeah they, I don't I couldn't figure <laughs> out what it was anyway. so I was confused I was confused when he showed up like a, they had like a time lapse and he showed up with that crazy hair and like his his uh, uniform torn up and tied over his head and his neck. And I was like, wait, is this a part of our hallucination? Um, or is he reacting to the fumes and turning a different color? Um, but I guess they wanted to make him look as uh, disheveled Kazani as possible. Yeah, I feel like there maybe could have been like, uh, maybe make him slightly more disheveled, like slightly before that scene. So that, because it was just sort of like a, like we've created a thing just so that we can have the Kazan joke, but uh 
Yeah. He just breaks a bag of potato chips in his hair. (laughs) 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 Freaking trash Klingons like Max called them. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. I mean, it's... uh, So so the other thing about this commemorative plate, by the way, there's a very famous plate... for Captain Janeway that looks exactly like the Tom Paris plate, but has Janeway there. And for some reason it was like controversial. I don't know exactly what the deal with it was. And if you look, I am not a commemorative plate collector, but if you look at the history of Star Trek commemorative plates, there's a lot of like really weird, like this one of the Voyager episode life signs where the doctor meets the, um, Vidian female doctor who's dying of the phage. And then they fall Mm. in love in the holodeck and all this stuff. Anyway, there's there's a commemorative plate of just that episode where it shows the doctor like like sitting with her on his on their date and like shows her with the phage and so it's really weird. Uh so yeah, I, I don't get commemorative plates personally, but any of you plate collectors? I did have plates one time for but I'm not gonna tell you what they were for. <laughs> We're using them as. I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, no, they're nothing. They're nothing exciting. I, I just have friends out here who would make fun of me for it. So. But there, was, oh, there were only four, and I don't was even it, know where they are. I think they're. I think I gave them away for a garage sale or something. Was it, was was it, it awkwardly? I wish it was. If they, oh, if they were Star Trek commemorative plates, you better believe I'd still have them. Like they're definitely commemorative plates for something that I don't care about anymore. So. <laughs> well, it's it's nice to know that commemorative plate carriers still exist in the future as well. You know, the little like box, and they can survive being crunched by a door. So, the the ship really did yeah. throw a lot at those plates, and they all survived brilliantly. Um, so Got some terrain plating in there. There you go. Well, uh, there's one other thing real quick. Ca- Captain Freeman makes a joke that like, hey, don't send us into the, the Delta Quadrant when Tom Paris takes the helm. <laughs> Correction, it wasn't Tom Paris at the helm when they went to the Delta Quadrant. It was Lieutenant Stadi, the Betazoid, who dies when they make the jump. Maybe if he had been at the helm, they wouldn't have gotten to Delta Quadrant. Who knows? Who knows? You know, who knows? So, all right. B-plot. Tendi and the Fertility Idol. Um, this, I feel, I almost feel like this was the A plot of this episode just because of how much time we spent on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I guess we're... Uh, it, like, this episode almost feels to me like we're giving... Uh, like, the, you have this laid out as A, B, and C plot, but it, it almost feels like it was just a cut... It was like three different episodes that were just sort of spliced together. I, I despite that, I, I think it still worked pretty well. But uh, the, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I can think of each of these as like getting pretty heavy uh, treatment throughout. Well, you know, they're pretty much. I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch everything. But I mean, pretty much any plot that has Mariner is in it tends to be the dominating plot anyway, you know, as far as yeah. I feel like that's one they spend the most time with. Yeah. Whether it's the most compelling plot or not. I am, I mean, I will confess that I'm getting a little bit tired of like, hey, the Lower Deckers are doing something serious, but Mariner's getting assigned and hilarity will ensue because she just does whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. It's getting, for me, it's getting just a little bit tired. I like the set pieces. I thought it was cool. We got to see Quaylor 2. We got to see like a Orion Thieves and uh, Pirates Camp. Uh, and 
it was fun, but like, it's just as as a plot device. It's I'm starting to get a little tired of the con- mm-hmm. the contri- It's feeling contrived. Let me put it that mm. way for me. Well, yeah, it's like just where? like nothing is. Um, she doesn't. I, I I don't know. It just doesn't feel. I have no complete thoughts, and I can't complete my sentence. <laughs> pretty. This is pretty pathetic. But it's just like I just want people to be able to go and. Like, there's something so screwed up in Mariner that she has to go screw up everyone else's missions. And I was trying to remember, did Mariner invite herself or did Tendi invite her along? Tendi invited her because they had and never been on a mission it. together. <laughs> which is super, which is, I mean, that was, again, just funny meta to me. Because, like, that's mm-hmm. the stuff that everyone's been talking about online. Like, hey, Mariner and Boimler are paired off and it's Tendi and Rutherford. Mm-hmm. And, like, so they, they, they do the cross mm-hmm. because, because Tendi invites Mariner. It just, it's like too ridiculous is the problem. Like they could have, I don't know. It just, it just goes too far. Bill, did you think it went too far? I don't know. I mean, the whole show is a joke, you guys. The show is mud on. (laughs) I mean, right? Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know. I thought it was fun. And and, And it, I mean, yeah, it is kind of a meta observation. It's like, hey, we never see these two people in scenes together. Let's do like a whole episode kind of poking fun at that. And so the and you know, the whole thing where they're like, um, you know, uh, Mariner is like, oh, no, this is like my fifth ship. And Tendi's like, oh, really? I thought she's like, it's a pretty like big part of who I am. <laughs> and then Mariner like, doesn't know Tendi's first name. Yeah. You know, I thought that was really funny. Yeah. No, that stuff was funny. You know, something I found interesting, though, so they make it sound, there's the line that um, Tendi says, she goes, I'm not that kind of Orion. And so then you think, oh, there's different kinds of Orions. But then you find out, no, she totally is that kind of Orion. And so I'm just very confused because I thought they were going to try to do something different and interesting with it. But then it was like they almost, well, no, she if she's back, uh, you know, uh, with her with other Orion, she's going to just be the same. I don't know. I just thought that well, was a little weird. I, I, I guess I, I was thinking like maybe there are Orions that have lots of pheromones and there are the ones yeah. that don't. And so like maybe she's she's not that kind of Orion, but like, yes, so still wore like the pirate gear or whatever. Attitudinal differences, personality differences versus physical differences in terms of being able to secrete pheromones or not. But there's another weird thing where and and maybe I'm, I'm I'm missing this from previous Trek lore, but the Orions had different colors. Was that just to differentiate male versus female? The males were a little like a sewage green, like a pale green, and the, these guys were like the Mackenzie and and <clears throat> painted manner were a brighter green. Did y'all notice that? No, I I I feel like that's that's probably just like an ethnicity thing because I I ah. feel like I remember seeing. Maybe one of the uh, Orions in in Discovery, like that. W- I think I've seen them both have similar shades of green. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it was just down to the like, so we could recognize the animated characters. Because mm. um, mm. I'm guessing that's probably what it was. And by the way, in the Enterprise episode Bound, we learned that female Orions were capable of emitting highly potent pheromones that could impact the physiology of other species and heterosexual males of many species, including humans. The pheromones accelerated metabolisms, raising adrenaline production to dangerous levels. This could cause aggression and after cumulative exposure levels of dilution and suggestibility. 
Man, Enterprise always went for like the sex stuff. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, since we're speaking of the pheromones, though, uh, who 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 else expected someone to get stabbed through the heart in this episode? Come on, I totally <laughs> did. <laughs> I can't who believe they didn't do Dom it. John? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, here's the, here's the scene where someone's going to get stabbed through the heart. And then they did not deliver. <laughs> or I thought it would, I mean, when it couldn't cut into uh, the Picard version because that was too long ago. But I thought they would, it would cut into something where they get angry enough to go do something nasty to other um, Starfleet cadets or Starfleet officers. Um, one note, though, I going back to... Orion species and pheromones and um, different ethnicities. Um, Mariner looked good in green. What do you What did you guys think? It was kind of a, it was kind of like a a mental change for me to see her like a different color <laughs> colorized because these animated characters they don't have all of the like textures that actual human beings have. So it's not like seeing like I don't know in like TOS someone painted a different color or whatever. It was just very natural that like, oh yeah, she she just looks like a different color and uh yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Nice. I, I, I liked the references uh, as it was happening though, where she's she's like, uh please don't please don't tell anyone about this or like don't take pictures. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I guess um, the, the surgical alterations they do, maybe that is problematic in <laughs> So I gotta say though, as contrived as I maybe think that the 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 kind of tension, the way that they created the tension is, I think the end of this plot was fucking hilarious. Where <laughs> they, they have like a shuttlecraft that's coming at us. That's me just gonna like dink <laughs> against the shields. No damage. Yeah, and she's like damage report, and he looks at the console. He's like none. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah Lord not... X is at its best when it subverts these like scenes that we've got like completely used to, like Riker going alert, or when like you know how many episodes have we had where it's been like damage report, deck six and deck seven report, blah 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 blah. It's just it's it's great. It's, this is what the show does best. Yeah, I, I feel like that a lot of the, this episode felt like a perfect setup for just having lots of hilarious like one-liners and jokes and like that was the that's the only reason that they paired up these particular characters that's like the only reason like tom paris was here at all is just like i have some jokes about about voy that i can tell and i'm just gonna yeah. i need to have a, a place to tell them where it makes sense so we want i mean you could see a pitch meeting where the pitch is i want tom paris punching boimler because he looks like a Kazan after rummaging <laughs> through the trash or something you know like like how do um, we get there <laughs> right did, did they give any explanation at all for why Tom Paris was there? So, like, like non-canon? No, in-universe. Or was it just like, oh, Tom Paris is yeah, it, like it's, on the it, ship today? Well, it, the all the I think it's the <clears throat> he's he's uh, giving he's telling stories about uh, his time on Voy for morale. Uh, so for for some reason, uh, they gave Tom Paris that final promotion. Uh, so that he could be like Bob Hope and just like go around and visit the troops. <laughs> okay, so they they gave an explanation, kind of a weird yeah. one, but they okay. <clears throat> he's uh, 
he's also out of universe. Um, Robbie Duncan McNeil. I mean, he's done a lot with the Star Trek universe as a director, of course, but. Mm -hmm. He was asked to also be in Picard. Like, they really wanted him in Picard at a season... I think season one, and they just couldn't make it happen. Or season yeah, two, his I schedule is too crazy. Right. Because he... I mean, he's like... because of Especially because of all the COVID restrictions, it's not easy to switch between productions and just do a quick guest spot or whatever. So, he wasn't able to make that work. And he's also, according to the All Access podcast, uh, Trek, Trek Movie All Access podcast, he's been pitching a Captain Proton show to Alex Kurtzman, which... I'll be honest, sounds like an atrocious idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen, but like it's been talked about a little too much for it to just be a joke. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Rutherford and Shaxes are had their time together. And, and shit, Shaxes is back. Like, Bill, what, what do you think of like this whole thing? It's great. It's so, so witty, <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah, bridge officers come back from the dead all the time. Like, <laughs> it's like, why do you even care how it happened? It just, like, happens. And <laughs> great. Genius. And um, and let's see. The other joke that I liked the most was, you know, Rutherford's, like, going through all the different possibilities and permutations of how one might be bar brought back to life. And he's kind of imagining Shaxx going through all this. And, and his imagined Shaxx is like, Oh yeah, uh, like civilization of microscopic beings built a Dyson <laughs> sphere around me to harness the energy from my body. <laughs> that is well thought And I out. don't even know why that would result in one being brought back to life. I mean, it doesn't even make sense to me, but I just thought it was awesome. Really funny. I mean, that Wait. was, that was, that, that Dyson sphere thing was a Terminator reference, right? When he like, crouching down and like a cube opens and he's like in there like i i i saw like arnie like naked in the movie like that was that was i, I thought the dyson sphere was only around stars and and or shacks right yeah <laughs> shacks <is> body <laughs> could build one around jet too uh well was there a dyson sphere in the episode with scotty yeah in yeah relics? With, yeah uh, oh. relics, yeah and then but they don't know, ever reference them again other than well, lower decks the thing that was funny to me about this honest obviously i have seen every single episode of star trek that has ever been made but i was like they don't do that they don't bring bridge officers back to life and then i start thinking about and i was like oh well i guess they did bring spock back to life oh i guess they did bring captain kirk back and oh i guess you know so then i started to yeah, realize they, they, oh yeah, no I guess like they, they brought back tasha you know i mean hers was in like some peril but then i was like okay okay maybe they do do this more often than i realized yeah i think well, that's chief o'brien die and get or it's like an alternate version of him that there's kind of, something well he there's one yeah. episode Alone. where he like he there's like two versions of him that are so many minutes apart or something and i feel like he gets shot well in and, one, and anyway, like most of know. the most of the things we know about uh uh harry kim are the clone are the fake harry yeah. kim uh, true, because he, he died in season one <laughs> well no right. is, is is harry kim the duplicate or is the rest of the voyager crew the duplicate See. Oh, there we go. Uh -oh. Yeah. Depends on your universe of reference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, but I have to say, I thought Shaxx was a hallucination. Like when, I don't know who was talking about hallucinations with oh. the plates and everything. I, that's what I thought they were going for. I thought maybe there was something malfunctioning in Rutherford's implant 
and he was seeing Shaxx. And then later on, no, no, everyone else is seeing Shaxx too. And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> and everybody knows not to ask any questions. So Adam took down some lines that um, Shaxx says in that turbo lift, which you, dear listener, might have thought were muffled. Um, basically, Shaxx saying, we're sparing you dark truths about scientific depravity that will haunt you for the rest of your days. Adam, do you want, do you want to tell everybody what will haunt us for the rest of our days? Well, uh, are, are you familiar with the Black Mountain? <laughs> well, okay. So <laughs> yeah, well, the, of course. <laughs> the Black Mountain is a spiritual battleground your soul goes, where the face, where you face three faceless apparitions of your father, and the surviving father <laughs> makes you eat your heart. <laughs> <laughs> and then, on from there, and probably after that, you get sent off somewhere in a in a torpedo tube to the Genesis planet, and then <laughs> somehow become your old self again slowly. Uh, yeah, I I never understood the point of search for Spock. I thought it was very dumb, but maybe you all disagree. We can, we we should review that movie at some point, and uh, we can argue about it back then. But uh, yeah, yeah. So so that is the the dark scientific depravity right there. I know I'm not gonna sleep tonight. Uh, <laughs> but why don't we at this point take a quick break? We'll come back with. Uh, some character development notes, some notes about expansion of the world of Trek, and then our strange new ratings. <sighs> Nobody knows the Cerritos like Bradward Boimler. <laughs> Fine. You want to play it that way, Cerritos? I know another way. Because I know you like you should know me. Access denied. Oh, no, no, no. This can't be happening. First I get kicked off the Titan, then the Cerritos doesn't even know me anymore. Where do I belong? <laughs> oh. Come on, Brad! This is your home! You're right where you belong! Then why am I gonna die in a Jeffrey's tube? You're not! You are Brad Boimler! And you've been in tougher spots than this! Now open up a panel and start figuring out a solution! You're right! Thanks, Tom Paris! <laughs> I am a little worried about the fumes in here, though. You know, since oh. you're talking to a plate. I don't know. I kinda like them. <laughs> Welcome back to Strange New Takes, a podcast that I thought would be a start of a beautiful friendship with these great people in my crew. And then I learned they hadn't watched <laughs> Casablanca, and it all ended right there. Um, man, man. Well, geez. maybe Bill has watched Casablanca, so maybe you two can still be friends. I don't know. Yeah, Have I've I've it? totally seen Casablanca, you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's a no. great, great movie. <laughs> Just you like Notch says. You are the only one, Notch. <laughs> So, so I was I was telling you guys my like weird college memories uh, from back in the day, and there's another one I have where I wasn't actually part of the group that did this, but I, I visited right as the awkward thing was happening. They watched Casablanca on like a Saturday night, and the understanding was we're gonna all watch a movie together with some popcorn and have some fun between like six and eight, and then we're gonna go out and enjoy the you know college fun Saturday night life. And they had one person in the crew was like, what? You guys don't want to watch the like special features? And so everybody was just like sitting in the room, just like when I walked in watching this tiny VHS, like, you know, those TV come VHS things, like the cubes. Mm -hmm. They're just watching the special features because nobody wanted to be like, offend this person be like, actually, no, we don't want to watch this. We want to go outside. <laughs> you were totally the one who wanted to watch the special features. <laughs> what? No. It was, it was a friend of mine. I, I wasn't there. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Uh. 
Well, let's let us swiftly move on to character development in this episode. I made some delicious pupusas for all of us to enjoy as right? we talk about this next part. Computer pupusa hot. I did not know what pupusa was until y'all told me earlier. Now they oh, sound delicious so and awesome. I want one too. What, what's the, what's the best pupusa? What is the best pupusa? I just do the beans and cheese, but that's because I don't eat that much meat, so it's good. Yeah, it's okay. pretty delicious. All right. Well, I've had try. some with pork too. They were pretty yeah, good. Yeah, but... yeah. Pork, pork's always solid in general. Mm-hmm. I will. I will try all the pupusas in the land. And by <laughs> land, I mean the Twin Cities. And by the Twin Cities, I mean Saint Paul. And by the Saint Paul, I mean the three block radius around my house. So zero. <laughs> all right. Let's let's talk about. Well, we're talking about Boimler with the pupusa. So he likes pupusa. That's awesome. The man has taste. He does. He doesn't uh, mind a bonsai as well if he's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I Did think it was appropriate that a bonsai was what appeared because he seems like the kind of person who would very meticulously care for a bonsai. So. Mm. Like he'd prune a couple of leaves and then. Eat mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't we have someone pruning a bonsai in some part of Star Trek? I feel like there's some. There's... Um. um... Keiko O'Brien, right? I would imagine, because oh, she's a botanist, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I feel like there's there's other bonsai references. I mean, it feels a little on the nose for Keiko to be the one who's you yeah. Know, yeah. a bonsai. I, I, it, well, it's also possible that Beverly Crusher was wearing a gigantic bow uh, while pruning a bonsai. Uh, oh, yes, orchid. she was. Oh. It was orchid. Oh, that's right. It was an that orchid. Was an orchid. Yeah, it wasn't a bonsai. I was just, I was just remembering orchid. some the sort ball. of like little careful cutting. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, and Keiko O'Brien has a bonsai. All their characters named Steve, love curry, but uh, anyway. And all the Indian guys are named Jack. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, or, yeah, so. or something like that. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so we we also get a cameo from Jennifer. I'm loving this Jennifer character <laughs> development. I just want to say Lauren Lapkus getting the line in. And I expected Boimler to say, shut up, Jennifer, or something. <laughs> <laughs> So we find out that Mariner uh, is pansexual. Oh yeah, she's uh, bad boys are her are her type, which is also includes uh, bad girls, bad non-binary babes, ruthless alien masterminds, and bad binars. So yeah, <laughs> really, whoever you are, you know, Mariner, as long as you're bad, as long as you're bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if that includes the people who sing the Michael Jackson song, but you know. But then Tendi kind of calls her out. She's like, really? I always just see you hang out with Boimler. <laughs> you, you guys practically like sure bunk together. So so do you guys believe, so is it is it like the lady doth protest too much? I was or a little is it, worried. Or, or is, it, yeah, is, it, is it earnest like yuck? But when, when Mariner says, me and Boimler, hell no. It's I think right the lady doth protest too much. Mm. I think if it was really like, no, he's like my brother. You'd just be like, oh, yeah, no, I never even thought of that. He's totally like a brother to me. That's how you would say it if it wasn't, like, hitting a nerve. Anyway, uh, my, so I, that made I'm, me I'm sad. Hoping, yeah, I, well, I, I'm hoping that what they're what they're doing is, like, maybe I can see them setting up, like, a an episode where they think that that's the thing that they want. And so that, but it, I... I could see them turning it into a big joke of like, there's a moment where they then kiss and they're like, oh my God, that was the hugest mistake I've ever made in my life. And then just like go completely away from it. And like, we leave it there. 
And I'm hoping that if they're going to do that, that that's what they do. Because, yeah, otherwise I really don't want them to just be like, yeah, they're the main characters, so there we have. therefore we have to make them kiss. Mm-hmm. We got to turn them into salamanders, make them have salamander babies and turn them back into humans and be like, we never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that is also an acceptable solution. <laughs> Writers, I hope you're listening. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, Mariner, unfortunately, I think I, I would like to see some character development on this whole, like, messing up her friends' plans things. Did y'all, did y'all think, I, I guess she fixed the whole thing with, like, the whole bee situation and, like, took the blame, ended up in the brig. So there were consequences. Like, she didn't, like, skate away without consequences in this whole situation. But, like, at some point I just wanted to be like, maybe I won't mess up something. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, Bill, am I overthinking this? Am I, should I just be like, it's a joke. It's, it's what drives this series is comedy. I shouldn't give a shit. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, so, um... I don't know if you guys watch Rick and Morty, um, but like at the end of the last season, they it was really weird. They tried to like make there be some like moral lesson for Rick and have him be like you know reflective and uh, and it was just so weird. I, I I thought so anyway. It's like is that why people watch Rick and Morty for like you know. I, <laughs> It's like no, they watch it for like immature humor. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but I, you know, if Mariner j- just like every week she like does her thing and is like wild and crazy and never has any consequences, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I mean that that's you know m- yeah. maybe the right like level of seriousness for for this show. Well, and it, I I feel like just from <clears throat> how the rest of the setup was going, like if you. S- like tend it's very much in Tendi's character to like uh she really wants to get, do a thing and like do it really well but then it like goes horribly wrong for some reason so like i i feel like someone had to go mess it up with Tendi so like i don't know it it i like mariner fit as like a a a good explanation for like why that thing would have just gone horribly wrong and then we had a lot of fun out of it i i i think i'm i'm fine having it be uh maybe a, a bit more um like this is like this is this is uh this show's version of uh of michael burnham like having <laughs> to save say. literally every <laughs> single person in every single episode uh and be like the main like the big thing that everything centers around even if it's not her episode uh so yeah maybe that's just like the purpose for uh mariner is that she just screws everything up in a hilarious M- way maybe i Maybe I just need to have a few beers before I watch every episode and just like <laughs> buckle in for a good time, you know. And and I think I think it it it's all right as long as they keep you, you know, guessing a little bit and and this is the bit you were talking about, right? And not being contrived. And the problem is, I think I agree with you a little bit, Notch, where it was predictable when she picked up that whatever that uh, structure. And then Tendi was like, "You, you're touching it." I was like, "Yep, this is gonna break." Um, <laughs> like, it's like libido post vacation, libido yeah, post. Yeah, and I was wondering if it was gonna break into like a million pieces, which means that the plot takes a whole twist, or if it's just like a lesser number of big pieces, which means the plot will go about how do we fix this? And so that part is a little predictable. I'm, I'm guessing not too many people think that way, but. 
yeah, I also got the sense that if they keep it, if they keep us guessing on how Mariner will throw a spanner in things, at, at least it'll it'll um, it'll come across as good entertainment. Okay. All well, right. And, and I and I guess not the 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 way for you to enjoy future episodes more is probably to have those lower expectations of that there will be no character development and you can be pleasantly surprised if it happens and to have a couple of drinks before you watch lower decks lower expectations higher drinking uh (laughs) let's go to let's let's move on to tendy who is the mistress of the winter constellations y'all god damn what a great title (laughs) so okay oh I i forgot one thing with mariner we'll get back to it in a second but do y'all think tendy has like some like rip-roaring, like, villainous past before she came to, like, Starfleet, where she earned that title? Klingon, acid punk, um, slaves, or people who swing to her wishes, wishes as Orion, uh, Orion's swing to her wishes, and all, you know, that title, and yeah, I, I think there's a whole episode on, um, other Tendi, who is <laughs> still this universe Tendi and not Mirror Universe Tendi. I, I feel like it, it it was probably something that, like, maybe she inherited that title or something, and so, like, does have all this power, and it but, like, secretly wished to be in Starfleet instead. Uh, but, yeah, I, I could see a lot of comedy coming from, like, just going back to her, fully into her origins and exploring that. She, and her brother, like, kissed her shoes. Like, I think it was a cousin, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> cousin, yeah, cousin kissed her shoes, and that's like, you know, you're kind of hardcore when someone's that afraid of you. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those, like, really, I mean, I'm an only child, so I wouldn't know for sure, but one of those really bad sibling bets that you you should not have taken, but you end up losing. <laughs> so you have to go and do it. Um, but yeah, she's always, even in that, that episode that we always don't want to go into too much about... Um, <laughs> you know what i'm talking about right she's she's trying to differentiate (laughs) she's trying to differentiate herself from the stereotype of being orion so um there is there is some dark past there that we can definitely tap into so this this kissing of the boots reminded me of a completely different thing to do with film and movie that i was talking about it's about casablanca no i'm not talking about casablanca I'm, <laughs> I'm over that now i was talking about the movie indian movie lagan with my partner recently lagan is a movie from the early 2000s if i recall correctly it's about cricket and it's it's like a i don't know what the prototype is basically these villagers learn to play cricket and beat the like hoity-toity british team of oppressors like the british know cricket but these villagers learn it better and they kick their ass spoiler alert uh, but there was this one British actor who plays like the main antagonist, this like British officer who's an asshole. And like he, he, he says, a, but so, so this dude is like an actor, I believe from England. And so he didn't speak any Hindi. The movie is in Hindi and he speaks a little bit of his dialogue in English, but most of this British actor's dialogue was in, uh, was in, was in Hindi. And so he had to like learn it phonetically and say it out loud a bunch. And sometimes Whoa. when he was going back and forth from the studio, he would like say in a taxi, he would say the dialogue out loud. And <laughs> one of his lines was, you bloody slaves will remain under my boots. Oh, <laughs> and like there's something about like shining shoes and stuff. And there's literally, I think, a scene in the movie where his shoes are being shined by some Indians. So he would say this Ouch. to his taxi driver. Taxi driver would be like, what? <laughs> 
I'd get angry at least like, no, no, I'm just practicing my lines of dude. Oh my god. Mildly serious right there. <laughs> I remember reading this in the like newspaper back when I used to read the newspaper with my breakfast before school, because I was really dignified like that. And I, I remember this from back then and it's just stuck in my head. So when the guy started kissing Tendy shoes, I was like, oh <laughs> so it popped in my head. <laughs> Wow. But uh, what what else what else did we learn about Tendi in this episode? Well, she holds her ground as well. Like in the end, she calls Mariner out, saying, "Hey, I don't remember the dialogue specifically, but um, it was more more along the lines of, you know, it's okay, I got this, we're friends, but um, you kind of messed up my situation." So um, she she kind of. I think she pushed back, and I've never seen, well, well, Boimler or or Rutherford ever do um, anything like that. Um, wow. <laughs> Sorry, I was distracting Rudy <laughs> by waving my cat around on the camera. <laughs> if you're hearing scrambling and scratching, that's probably from my poor cat. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I. I think the the other thing that we learn about Tendi is also that she is very competitive with promotions mm-hmm. and really wants to. She's very straight laced in her like she wants, she wants to be recognized for her good work. Also, she's the lowest ranking ensign, for unfortunate reason. That's why she's picked. That's what Tony um, says. Well, th- that's because she's the um, she's the newest member of the crew uh, okay. uh, as right. an ensign. So, in terms of seniority, she is the lowest. I feel like she and Boimler have kind of similar personality traits. Like they're both super nerdy about wanting to get ahead and you know, they yeah, they yeah. just they, they seem similar in that way. So now they need to have mm. a Boimler Tendy pairing for an episode. Maybe that's the love triangle we get. Boimler Tendy and Rutherford. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> I, I want a Boimler Rutherford episode. Because there's no rectifying that. They're both going to mess up so badly. And it's just going to be like out of control continuously. Well, the the trailer has some scenes. So, um, which by the way, I am am very sad that Max isn't on this episode. Max is a lover of like serious Scandinavian metal. So like he's all into like that Viking metal. Like we went to a Viking brewery that they have in in the Twin Cities in one of the suburbs here, which is like it's it's shaped like a freaking longboat and has like like Viking decorations and stuff. He was in his element. So I think <laughs> wherever Max is, he, him hearing about Klingon acid punk and like actual grieving Klingons lamenting on stage. I I mean he probably gave the like metal horns while listening to that so i wish he was here to talk to us about it but uh maybe next time um well moving on to rutherford i don't think we learn a ton of new stuff about him uh just that he you know he really wants to know why shax is his back um i mean we know that like he's he has a lot of guilt over uh killing shax but yeah it, i guess that that's why he wanted to learn about shax is like so he doesn't have to feel so guilty if he if it's just like he came back and it's fine <laughs> Right. Well, moving on to minor characters, that bald dude who plays the um, the bridge officer at the con is totally meant to be Picard. I mean, like that. I, I refuse to believe that that is not a reference to Patrick Stewart. Yeah, yeah. The uh, as Emily said, the 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 alternate user universe version of him from right. Tapestry yeah. in the yeah. blue uniform. Yeah. 
There's gonna like, be some reference to how like he was stabbed and then became you know <laughs> risk averse <laughs> or something. Stereotype bald guys much. <laughs> <laughs> all male pattern baldness people are Patrick Stewart so um, well with Tom Paris we learned that he's been promoted he was a lieutenant junior grade for most of Voyager and he was when Voyager ended and now he's a full lieutenant it's also the first time we see him another member of the, uh, the Voyager cast well actually no the doctor and Janeway are the two Voyager cast members that we've previously seen in the like movie uniforms with the, you know the ones that were that debuted mm. in First Contact because so uh, the doctor was in doctor. First Contact. Yeah, right, right. It was a different doctor, but we've seen we've seen two Voyager actors in those uniforms, and now we've seen Tom Paris wearing one of those too. And not a salamander anymore. Yeah, yeah it was I- a. I, I, I loved the explanation. <laughs> it's not a sound. It was a, it was a celerity-induced accelerated somatic re- mutation rate, and he's fine now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'd we'd seen the salamander last year, right? Like it was in that like Starfleet recovery facility for people who are oh, like oh yes yeah yeah. <laughs> and they also mentioned that he's the first one to cross the warp 10 threshold but then connecting to your point there were others who did it too but never unsalamandered themselves so. <laughs> yeah right so you end up with those mistakes so with the bridge officers we just get a little bit of exposure to them this week we've talked about most of the shaxes stuff i'll just point out the shaxes in this episode shows up wearing the enterprise uniform the like tng uniform neelix's outfit <laughs> From yeah, Boyager. and J- James Moriarty too, and <laughs> <laughs> I Mary miss some universe. of those. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Um, and and yeah, I mean he uh, he still has some getting over the Black Mountain to do in his life. Uh, you know, he gets some flashbacks about about all that. So we'll see what happens there. Doctor Tana literally is a cat, and I fucking love it. Like that was she, when I literally laughed out loud when she got into the box. She's like, I don't care about that. And then you see her get into the box. I was like, that's Her my eyes cat. go huge. <laughs> uh-huh. That's great. Yeah. Uh, every time she just like goes back to cat behavior, it's fantastic. And, but did any of you, okay. So two questions. Number one, why is she all like scraggly and scratchy in the beginning? Libido induced uh, trauma. But she doesn't use the po- the 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 post. Yeah. Well, but it's the box that she needs. It's not the post. We don't know if the box playing is a way to uh, mitigate the libido stress. That's not clearly answered. Uh, okay. Maybe it is. Um... Also, she just needed the box, though. Why is it like a super secret mission? Tell nobody and. So that uh, attendee and Mariner could have a crazy adventure together. <laughs> there we go. All right. Don't yeah. think too hard and about that, this, Notch. It's and just so supposed to be a also, joke show. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, well uh, I, I won't take things too seriously, but now it's time to take something seriously that this episode is, ex- is ex- added to the Star Trek universe with its uh, expansion to the world of Trek. We have we talked about the Black Mountain and bringing Shaxis back. That's canon. <laughs> So is uh, Quaylor 2, where 
they have the Zebulon sisters, which uh, if you all got that reference, choose your dance. Oh yeah. Oh, I saw quarks. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Th- there's there's quarks, and, and because it, didn't we see if quarks in Free Cloud City, or am I uh, just making that up? I we've seen it someplace else, probably Free yeah, Cloud I, City. Yeah. Well, quarks is definitely doing his marketing right. If you guys are remembering it from. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, yeah, and it could be that Quillor Two just looks exactly like Free Cloud City, but I I, th- I think there were there was one there. So it's definitely a franchise that has multiple locations. Do, do you guys know the slogan? Come to Quarks. Quarks is fun. Come to Quarks. I can't remember the rest of it. Come to Quarks. <laughs> don't walk. Run. Oh, don't walk. Run. That's what it is. I have that on a mug. <laughs> Someone gave that mug to me one time. So. That's awesome. <laughs> Vic Fontaine also has a has a club. There's a there's a neon oh, ad for Vic Fontaine oh, really? mm-hmm. oh. at Quay 2. So that's where he ended up somehow or a copy of him. Who knows? Uh, we talked about how the Voyager theme is canon and the acronym for Voyager. I really hope now every season they give one of the acronyms like DS9 or whatever. Which, by the way, that was what I wanted to talk about with Mariner earlier and I forgot. Mariner served on Deep Space Nine. We just yeah, I was that. trying to figure out how they fit that in. <laughs> So now, I, I mean, I, no, we 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 knew that already. Um, I think this just gave us a exact placement because uh, she she mentioned it before. I forget what what episode though. Yeah, no, she mentioned it's. In, I think she mentioned it in the episode where she's feeling guilt about mem- crew members that she's close to dying or something. Or there's she has some sort of memory about one of her friends who gets killed mm-hmm. by a salt monster or the or the salt. I can't remember the salt vampire kind of character mm-hmm. that was on keto the keto that was on the keto i think oh. they, they might have been feel like they mentioned deep space nine that's what it was they she, mentioned she i think they were stationed the keto, at deep space was, nine or yeah visiting or whatever they were adopted yeah. deep space nine that's what it was yeah or a cardassian style station of different variety who knows <laughs> <laughs> it could have been uh what was the other one M-Pak the one Nor? that empok uh, nor not Tarek nor yeah <laughs> Where it's just at an angle, and so that's how you know it's different. Different. <laughs> because in space, that's totally how things work. <laughs> All right. Well, finally, before we get to the ratings, one thing we have to discuss is this is apparently the 800th episode of Star Trek. What? I was very confused by that. Pretty sure we thought we hit the 800th episode of Star Trek back in Discovery. <laughs> So, like so, on New, I think it was the one that was on New Year's Eve. We were talking about how that was the 800th episode or something. So what's what's the explanation here? Have any of you look look this up? I'm sure there's I a mean, big I, debate raging on the internet. Yeah, is it some sort of dumb thing about two parters? But uh... yeah, because because exactly as as uh, Emily put it, it should have been the episode of Discovery that aired in the first week of 2021 and by production numbers that's the that's the one so how we'll we'll figure this out maybe next week we can have an explanation for everybody but for now why don't y'all move along to strange new ratings where you stick your necks out give this episode a rating and then i can come in with a contrary rating and you know ruin the day how about that 
Just I have to tell you, that. I'm sorry. I just pulled up an article back uh-huh. from seven months ago that says uh-huh. why 800 episodes of Star Trek matters so much. And the article was dated the 31st of December 2020. So clearly people were thinking that other people were also thinking that was the 800th episode. Sorry, I just had to. I wasn't fast enough pulling it up on my phone. But. Lawyered. That episode, by the way, was There is a Tide. Um that's the, that's the one that we were referring to, the 41, 41st of 42 episodes of Discovery. So, I, I was just going to say that um, 800, well, whether it's happened or not, now definitely happened. Would we want to run a pool um, or take bets on which series and or season would get the thousand episode? Ooh. Or there'd be arguments around it <laughs> anyways. Oh, well, I don't think so, that series exists yet. That's that's a lot. Probably of... not. Yeah. So, hey, so strategy... you might go back and count as we did before publishing this article. According to the Trek report, numbers were still two episodes away. This was back in December 31st of 2020, counting the unaired season finale for Discovery's third season. But if you look at the calculation of memory alpha, which is what we were looking at, you'll see a slightly different count. For the purpose of this article, we went with memory alpha's counting, which we've hmm. detailed below. Interesting. So... To Rudy's question, that's 200 episodes away. New seasons of Star Trek tend to be somewhere between 10 and 15 episodes. So if you take the Mm. more conservative number, 10, that's 20 seasons away. And, you know, you say we have how many how many shows do we have running concurrently right now? Five, five, five. And we might get section 31. (laughs) <laughs> so oh Captain guys. Proton. No, yeah, Captain, Captain. It'll be Captain Proton. That's what we'll have the thousandth episode of Star Trek. Okay, I'll just keep five for convenience's sake. So if we have if we have twenty seasons left, five episodes. That's five more seasons for every one of these shows until we get there. So um, unclear where what what happens there, but uh, they're anyway. counting the films. They're counting the films. <laughs> mm-hmm. According to this thing this chart that i'm looking at anyway it's interesting that's weird anyway well let's let's give some strange new ratings rudy seems to have dropped off so we might not get his rating at the moment uh which of you would like to stick your neck out and give we'll always have tom paris a rating well you said that you're going to give us a controversial one so i need to give you something to like oppose so i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna give this one just a 10 uh, because it, for me, this episode was hilarious. It had a great mixture of things that were funny, references across stuff. That it, it just, I, I loved the whole thing. It was great. Okay. Yeah, I, I also thought it was really good. So I'm gonna give it nine commemorative plates out of the full box out of ten. <laughs> Still need to now, get the Chicote one. Right, right. Now I'm going to f- try to figure out how we make ten commemorative plates for Voyager. <laughs> Which characters we're going to add. I'm going to give this a 4.5 out of 5 because I really enjoyed this episode. I don't know that I can ever give a lower decks episode a perfect 10 i don't know we'll see maybe that's the challenge that is before me to see the gauntlet has been thrown mike mcmahon i want to see if you can come up with a perfect 10 for me but 4.5 okay out of five all right zero out of 10 for me whatever (laughs) just kidding no i'm gonna give this a a seven i'm gonna give this a seven i i actually you know y'all helped me like really 
target the fact that I just have one really big issue here and it just kind of it's on me. It's not on the it's not on the show. The show is what it is. And I, I do think this episode has rewatchability because like I wanna see Tom Paris again. Come on, yo. I wanna see, you know, Boimler getting his ass kicked. I wanna see all the Shaxes like uh you know in their different outfits. That's great. I wanna see the shuttle like dink across the shields. I will watch that again. So it hits my rewatchability. I I you know what? I just talked myself into an eight on ten. So I'm gonna give it an eight. How about that? Alright. Well, with that with that, let me talk more about Casablanca in my Tom and Jerry voice. Uh, no. Uh, with that, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Rudy. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily, for being here. It's always lovely to talk about my problems with Star Trek episodes and be convinced to rate them higher than I originally was going to. Thanks, And thank Notch. you, Notch, for you, Notch. Uh, listening to us with that. Of course, of course. And uh, thanks for not kicking us all off of the podcast when you realize none of the rest of us have watched Casablanca. Yet. Or yet. Casablanca, or however you're supposed to pronounce it. What? Stop digging. The hole is deep enough. <laughs> hey, Rudy just popped in. What's your rating? We're saying goodbye, but you can give, you can give us your, your rating real quick. Well, thank you for waiting for me. Um, I think this is one of my, and I'll tell you why. I think this is one of my best um, LDS episodes. I didn't quite get the the Tendi um, Mariner plot that much, but the Boimler stuff was was gold for me. Um, so I'm going to give it a 9.5 commemorative plates out of 10. <laughs> Bill did that already. I'm sorry, Rudy. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I, I can change it to um, bonsais. Let's do that. Okay. Let me do that instead. All right. All right. Well, I thank you already, so I'm not going to do that again. Um <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dinah, Max, wherever y'all are. Max, I really, really do hope you enjoyed the metal reference and that we get many more references to it that you will enjoy more. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to our podcast every week. We appreciate you being there for us. We appreciate you uh, listening and communicating your when things go wrong sometimes, like uh, my, my neighbor Paul did the other day. So thank you also, Jishnu Guha, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate listening to you strumming away on the Klingon theme every so often. And special thanks to all the commemorative plate makers out there. It's not easy finding cheesy screenshots to put on a plate that look kind of washed out and weird, but you do it every day. So uh, keep on, keep it on, and uh, we'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.